to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, I want to go through the Friday press conference that took place with the Oakland County, Michigan prosecutor, Karen McDonald. And I want to play almost this entire thing and then bust in and out of, of what she says here and, and some of the questions that are asked her way and break down what it is that she's actually saying. Because one of the interesting things here is that individuals such as herself who are clearly bought and sold, I mean, she has to be corrupt. Um, and you're going to hear it. So, I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. Again, I, I could be shooting in the dark here, but it's unlikely. She's, she's going to be using words and lines and phrases and, and one-liners and whatever you want to call them. She's using all of them just sort of lockstep the way that you would hear any corrupt individual use them. And she, she starts almost right out of the gate saying things that no prosecutor should actually say. You see, the, the object of all of this, whether you're a prosecutor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you are a judge, a researcher, whatever it is, the object is to be as impartial as humanly possible, which means you have to use impartial language. You, you can't, I mean, right out of the gate, for example, I, I called her corrupt. Well, you'll hear it from her. So I've made my determination just by listening to the way that she talks and the things that she says here. She's, she's headhunting, essentially. And again, you'll kind of hear her say that, but I'll bust in and, and, and make particular comments along the way. But she makes it abundantly clear that she's interested in, quote-unquote, seeking justice. And again, that's not the role of a prosecutor. Regarding this school shooting that took place, as I said earlier in Friday's episode, the list of people who knew that this student was dangerous and that this environment was an unhealthy one, that line of people is a lot longer than the people who don't know. And these are just one of the things, again, that people have got to keep in mind when it comes to these environments. Because image protection is a school's number one priority all of the time. And the worst thing that a school can possibly have happen to it is something like this. This is, this is the one thing that they do not want under any circumstance. The problem is, is that in the, oh, I, w- I would say in their zeal to try and prevent something like this from happening, they actually don't prevent anything from, from occurring. They are reactionary by design, which is one of the reasons why they use the word proactive so regularly within K-12 environments or even university settings. They actually say over and over again, we're proactive, we're proactive. Well, we try to be proactive and we're as proactive as possible. See, the word should be preventative, and I've said this in the past. It should be preventative. They're supposed to be a preventative environment. They're supposed to prevent against falsehood, illegality, abuse, whatever you want to call it. That's what they're supposed to be preventing against. But in the process of them attempting to do that, and they do it poorly, but the, in the process of them attempting to do that, they always end up sweeping these problems under the rug because they can't see any further past the, the hand in front of their face. They can't see any further than that. They don't see that when you start deleting referrals, 
that becomes a massive problem. When you start making excuses for students' behavior, well, that's cumulative risk, and that's going to create a bigger problem down the line. When you don't allow teachers to explain to their students in a, in a classroom why Billy or Sally have been suspended for five days, and that sort of becomes this giant hush-hush moment where teachers aren't allowed to, to, to actually create a teachable moment because of a bad behavior or an illegal behavior, or again, like in this case, an individual brings a weapon to school and you let them back in. Or a student brings drugs to school, they go away to some drug treatment thing for X amount of days, and then they come back into the classroom. I've said this over and over again, and I'll keep saying it, which is again why these environments are so poisonous. All they have to do is kick students out permanently. All they have to do on the very first day that they meet with parents and the, that, 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 you know, the school district writes a letter, that's all they have to do and send it home. All it has to say is the following. If you fight here once, you're gone. If you're caught engaging in a sexual act, you're gone permanently. All of these are permanent offenses. You are, you are officially gone from this entire school district. If you are caught with drugs or on drugs, you are gone. If you bring a weapon to school, you are gone. There is no second chances. There are no conferences. You will be shown the door and you will not be allowed back in, which means your family is going to have to make accommodations to educate you somewhere else, but it is not here. They don't do that. Buildings always give a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chance. So much so, in fact, that the school district creates alternative schools for such students to show up to. So they'll have a full rap sheet, a full criminal record, and then they'll end up going to these quote-unquote academies or these other alternative schools or whatever for the juvenile delinquent, whatever it may be. Too many chances is called cumulative risk. It's like playing Jenga over and over and over again expecting a different result. The game ends the same way every time, and it doesn't end well for a great deal of people. So I'm going to jump into this here. Again, I'm going to start playing her audio and I'm going to bounce in and out of what she's saying and make some comments along the way. This whole thing is dirty. This whole thing sounds dirty. She's dirty. All of this, all of this is gross. And again, we are living through the Great Awakening. So let this educate countless individuals on, again, the word usage that these people use, because these leftists all use the exact same language without even thinking about it. They don't even get together and say, hey, look, we're all, we're all saying the same stuff. Maybe we shouldn't do that. No, they can't help themselves. So they just keep saying the same things over and over again. So again, this is the prosecutor's voice. This is Karen McDonald, and she is the Oakland County, Michigan prosecutor. So here we go. Good afternoon. I'm Karen McDonald. I'm the Oakland County Prosecutor. Thank you for joining me this morning. It's been a devastating week for all of us as we continue to mourn the loss of the four children who were shot and killed in the week this week in Oxford High School. We've heard some positive news that some of those injured in Tuesday's shooting have made some progress recovering from their physical injuries. While the physical wounds of the victims are starting to heal, the emotional wounds to the victims, students, and the entire community will last for years. 
I continue to work with Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard and his team to stay close to the facts and evidence of this case as it continues to evolve. My role as the Oakland County Prosecutor is to seek justice for the victims of this tragedy. The family, friends, and loved ones of Hannah St. Juliana, Madison Baldwin, Tate Murr, and Justin Schilling, and the other victim victims have had their lives shattered. Okay, already, I'm just going to revisit what I said earlier. She uses the phrase, seek justice. It's my job to seek justice. Incorrect. It's not her job to seek justice. It's her job to follow the law. That's all. That's all she has to say. Because when a person goes out and they seek justice, you become like Denzel Washington in The Equalizer. He sought justice in that movie. That's what that movie is about. It's about seeking justice. It's not about using the law to get even. It's about spraying bullets, uh, you know, borrowing, borrowing sledgehammers from the local hardware store where you work to bash somebody's brains in only to then return it later on with no one knowing. That's seeking justice. It's her job to not spray willy-nilly bullets in the air and, again, spaghetti noodles and see what sticks. It's her job to just use the law. Examine evidence, use the law. I'm always curious as to who and what writes these speeches for them. Whether it's, a, you know, again, a speechwriter, a press person, uh, do they write it themselves, whatever it is. I think it's poorly written, and as you'll hear later on, she has a very difficult time um, justifying some of the things that she says because, oddly enough, the media kind of holds her feet to the fire a little bit. So I'll continue. Here we go. As I mentioned a few days ago, I did have the opportunity to speak with the parents of the children who were killed. Additionally, my office has reached out this morning to all of the victims um, who were injured. And we continue to be dedicated to offering them services and support during this time. While the shooter was the one who entered the high school and pulled the trigger, there are other individuals who contributed to, this, to the events on November 30th, and it's my intention to hold them accountable as well. It's imperative we prevent this from happening again. No other parent or community should have to live through this nightmare. I have shared previously, and I will reiterate today, that gun ownership is a right, and with that right comes great responsibility. Based on the information and evidence I have received, today I am announcing charges against the shooter's parents, Jennifer and James Crumbly. And there it is right there. As I said on Gab, there is your 2021 gun grab. There's your perfect example right there. They're setting a precedent here to go after parents whose children may use something that the parents own to do something else. And then they charge the parents with a crime. But the people who knew that this kid was violent, as I said, was endless. Countless school officials. The principals, the counselors, any of the liaisons, the kid's mental health workers, you name it. They knew the kid was damaged. They knew the kid was jacked up. And they had a meeting with him earlier that day where they were talking with him and going to let him back into the classroom. The gun was already in his bag by then. And what was interesting about this, too, is that Jesse James, the host of uh, the Dangerous Info podcast, 
we were going back and forth over text message about this. And again, he's been a guest on the uh, in the past on my podcast. He lives basically right next door to this school. And what's interesting is is that the local news media was more accurate about what was going on and the information that was coming out than the national media. I'll give you a quick example. The national media was saying that the parents fled, that the parents were on the run and Warren is out for their arrest. Apparently, all of that's untrue. The local media said, look, the parents immediately lawyered up. They left town and left their house because they feared for their safety from an unknowing and irrational public. Uh, and then they just they returned to town and turned themselves in. And now they've been detained on, I believe, a $50,000 bond for each one of them. Or I'm sorry, $500,000 for each one of them, something like that. The, the, the point is, is that they're going after parents now. And this is a purposeful move. This is not an accident. This is, this is their opportunity. And again, you have to keep in mind and imagine this in your head. The enemy is sitting in a high rise in a building someplace. And they're waiting for something like this to happen. As soon as something like this happens, the bell, their phone rings. The bell rings. Their phone rings, and they say, "Okay, here's here's the situation." And then they lay out, they ask questions, and they they basically say, "Okay, give me the details locally as to what's going on." Again, these are the the whack job Marxists that are interested in controlling society and destroying our country. And then what they do is is they go through this huge list of of options and scenarios. And they say, okay, so the parents didn't actually shoot anybody. Well, that's fine. What we'll do is, is we'll charge the parents. Whatever you do, charge the parents. And then this will send a message nationwide that if a child, for example, steals a car, which somebody mentioned this on Gab and it makes perfect sense. And they replied to my post and, and it makes complete sense. A child steals a parent's car. The child isn't old enough to drive. The child hits people with the car intentionally to kill them. And then they charge the parents. And they say, well, you didn't hide your keys. You didn't hide your keys in your house long enough, or well enough, rather, uh, because your child clearly had ill intent and you should have known because you're the parent, so we're going to charge you because your child stole your keys, stole your car, and committed a crime. It's absurd. This spaghetti noodle cannot stick. And as you'll hear this prosecutor say, again, she says openly, that Michigan's gun laws are inadequate and woefully bad, something like that. She actually says it, so she gives away her agenda. I'll let her continue here. The charges are as follows. James Crumbly is charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Jennifer Crumbly is also charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. I will now publish the details that led to that decision and have already previously been made public, which allows me to comment on them in a swear to that has just taken place in the district court by Officer Tim Willis, Detective Tim Willis. The investigation into the school shooting incident at Oxford High School, which occurred on November 30th, 2021, has revealed that James Crumbly purchased a Sig Sauer 9mm model SP-2022 from Acme Shooting Goods in Oxford, Michigan, on November 26, 2021. A store employee confirms that Ethan Crumbly was present with James at the time of the purchase. 
per statute, James Crumbly completed ATF Form 309A, 5309A. On or about November 26, 21, Ethan Crumbly's social media posts reveal photos of the semi-automatic handgun, along with the caption, Just got my new beauty today, including an emoji with hearts. Sig Sauer 9mm. Any questions I will answer, end quote. Subsequent to the purchase of that weapon, one of Jennifer Crumbly's social media posts on about 11-27-21 read, quote, Mom and Sunday testing out his new Christmas present, end quote. Not a crime. None of that is a crime. Posting pictures of a gun online. Now, again, some of the other stuff that the, you know, that the kid posted online about, you know, Oxford, you're going to get yours or whatever he said regarding um, you know, a timeline as to as to committing a crime in, in that school. He did post that. But the business of a child and a and a and a parent going to go shoot someplace, she's she's trying to paint a picture, ladies and gentlemen, for all of us, for everybody across America. And she even again later on references all of the United States. It's all of the United States. Things have to change across this country. Again, this prosecutor has a blatant agenda, whether they're whether it's out of their own their own brain or again they're just a puppet and they're just being moved around. But they're trying to paint the actual picture that shooting a gun for target practice legally uh, is irrational behavior. Again, only a puppet would do would actually say such a thing only a marxist would would try to paint a picture like that on a group of people it's absurd on november 21st 21 a teacher at the oxford high school observed ethan crumbly searching ammunition on his cell phone during class and reported the same to school officials jennifer crumbly was contacted via voicemail by school personnel regarding that son's inappropriate internet search school personnel indicate they followed that voicemail up with an email, but received no response from either parent. Thereafter, Jennifer Crumbly exchanged text messages about the incident with her son on that day, stating, quote, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught, end quote. Also not a crime. It's not a crime to look things up on the internet, on your own cell phone in school. People do it all the time. Staff members do it all the time. Principals, secretaries, superintendents, they do it all the time. You can, again, searching the internet is not a crime. That's not a crime. I'm looking for a gun on the internet because Christmas is coming up and I just want to, you know, I'm thinking about buying a gun. So what? Not a crime. Is it suspicious? Maybe. Certainly after the fact. But. The kid just bought a gun. His parents just bought him a gun. Again, I'm not justifying the shootings here. I want to make that abundantly clear. I'm breaking down this line by line of what the prosecutor is is saying here because, again, remember, she said it. She's seeking justice. She's not following the law. She's painting a picture here to ensnare Americans in the act of one. They didn't do this with the Rashad Brooks guy who ran over people in Wisconsin. No, 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 no. But they're going to do it with this because this is their opportunity, and they always do things like this. I'm going to keep going. Here we go. On November 30th, 21, the morning of the shooting, the next day, Ethan Crumbly's teacher came upon a note on Ethan's desk, which alarmed her 
to the point that she took a picture of it on her cell phone. The note contained the following. A drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointing at the words, quote, the thoughts won't stop, help me, end quote. In another section of the note was a drawing of a bullet with the following words above that bullet, quote, blood everywhere, end quote. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is a drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. Further down the drawing are the words, quote, my life is useless, end quote. And to the right of that are the words, quote, the world is dead, end quote. As a result, James and Jennifer Crumbly were immediately summoned to the school. A school counselor came to the classroom and removed the shooter and brought him to the office with his backpack. Counselor obtained the drawing, but the shooter had already altered it. The drawings of the gun and the bloody figure were scratched out along with the words, help me, and my life is useless. The world is dead and blood everywhere. Those were all um, altered by him. As the meeting, at the meeting, James and Jennifer Crumbly were shown the drawing and were advised that they were required to get the sh their son into counseling within 48 hours. Both James and Jennifer Crumbly failed to ask their son if he had his gun with him or where his gun was located and failed to inspect his backpack for the presence of the gun, which he had with him. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe what she just said? She blames the parents for not checking the kid's backpack for the gun while the kid was in school. While the parents and the kid were all at school with the counselor, and again, a school that, built, that big, should have at least one resource officer. It should have multiple resource officers. But why aren't the resource officers checking the, checking the backpack? Why aren't the counselors checking the backpack? Why aren't they doing that in a separate room away from the kid? Why aren't they frisking the kid? That's the school's responsibility. Because again, it's been, you know, these, these counselors, I'll tell you what, school counselors are hilarious. They're a hilarious lot. Many of them get into the, I'm going to go off on a rant here, so bear with me. A lot of school counselors get involved in, in quote unquote school counseling because they actually think they can fix everything. That's, that's, one, that's one swath of quote-unquote K-12 school counselors. There's another swath that used to be school teachers and they hate children and they hate being school teachers, so they decide to be counselors because they get an office and they rarely get to talk to students and they really have no background whatsoever in sociology, human behavior, whatever. They're just interested in getting paid more because they don't want to do the 9 to 5 of a classroom setting with 200 plus students. There's that swath of school counselor. There's another swath of school counselor that loves paperwork. They love it. They're basically a secretary. And that's essentially what they, what they do. They're not really interested even, again, in students or counseling or human behavior or anything. They actually just enjoy the paperwork because it's regimented. It's, you know, you have to dot the I's, cross the T's, whatever else. And then, you again, you have... Well, you just have a variety of different kinds of counselors that, that enter that particular profession for a variety of reasons. I've known, again, individuals to enter that particular profession, and they have no education background whatsoever. None. Zero. No counseling background either. They get a degree in counseling, and then they just walk into a school and say, I'm ready to be your counselor. And they get certification to be a counselor, and then that's it. The fact is, is that searching a child is not the counselor's job. 
that counselor should have shown up to that classroom with a resource officer. This is a police officer's job. You're talking about, again, a kid who's drawing things on a piece of paper that are remarkably violent and remarkably telling about the psyche of, of said kid. That's the job of the police officer. Where were the cops? Because, again, you're going to hear her say it, and you're going to hear some questions be asked to her. She gets asked again about, well, what about the police officer? Why didn't they search him? And she just goes, well, that's under investigation. That's under investigation. And she has an answer for everything and, and just skates by and sort of skirts the issue as quickly as possible. So, I don't know. It's... um. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. But again, that should prove to everybody that she has an agenda. And the agenda, again, is not the law and equal justice under the law here. It's about painting a particular picture, pigeonholing particular individuals, blaming them for something that they had uh, next to little control over at the moment in time, and then deflecting the blame from being school officials, because again, they are the ones to blame in this as well. James and Jennifer Crumbly resisted the idea of them leaving the school at that time, of, of their son leaving the school at that time. Instead, James and Jennifer Crumbly left the high school without their son. He was returned to the classroom. This too is a deflection. Removing a child from a school is the sole responsibility of the school, not the parents. The parents don't get to decide if the child remains in a separate building that the parents don't own. That would be like me walking into a grocery store and saying, I'm staying here forever. And the management comes up to me and says, you need to leave now. We're telling you to leave. And then a parent walks in, one of my parents walks in and says, we want him to stay in this grocery store. The answer is no. That's not up to the parents. That's up to the school. The school is, uh, she's claiming now that the school wanted the kid gone, but the parents didn't want to take the kid home. I don't buy that for a minute. I don't buy it. If, if, if the parents decline to take the child, the school has the sole right to look the parents in the face and say, you're taking your child home. We're detaining your child. We are arresting them. Um, they, they are going to be at least detained until you can come and pick them up at a time that works for you. And then you need to seek counseling for this kid immediately. In the meantime, your child is not allowed back on this school property. Period. But she's not blaming the school officials. She's passing the buck onto the parents. It's. It couldn't be more obvious what's going on here. The agenda is out in the open. It's plain as day. When the news of the active shooter at Oxford High School had been made public, Jennifer Crumbly texted to her son at 1122, I'm sorry, at 122 p.m., quote, Ethan, don't do it, end quote. At 137 p.m., James Crumbly called 911 reporting that a gun was missing from his house, and he believed his son may be the shooter. Further investigation revealed that the six-hour 9mm handgun purchased by James Crumbly was stored unlocked in a drawer in James and Jennifer's bedroom. The father called the police 
and said, my gun is missing. Went home. My gun is missing. Called the police to alert people. Who else was being alerted in that school building? Were any of the school officials alerting anybody? Hey, everybody, get on the PA system. Just wanted to interrupt everybody's day briefly uh, to let you know that there's a student who drew all of this stuff. It's remarkably violent talking about how they want the you know lives to end or some such thing. And they drew a giant picture of a gun and some bullets and some blood and some smiley emojis. By the way, that person is walking around this school right now because the parents didn't want to take them home. We tried to get the parents to take the kid home, but they wouldn't. So we decided to just send the kid back to school. He could be in your class, but we're not sure. Have a great day. And then they hang up the PA system. Again, the sole responsibility here thus far lies with the school. In loco parentis, in, in lieu of parent, in place of parent, the school has the sole right in a situation in particular like this, not in all situations, but in this situation, they are legally responsible for what goes on. The number of individuals throughout this setting that allowed this to just take place and just let the kid back in class, I'm sorry. You're talking about firing the teacher who reported it, although maybe not them, but certainly the counselor, any resource officer who was there who didn't do their job and any other adult in the building that the kid talked with, whether it's an administrator or someone else, who again sent the kid back to school. Why was the kid not detained? Why were their belongings not searched by, again, the people who work in the building? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. It's the people in the building are to blame for this entire thing. The light has been shined on them. The prosecutor's working real hard to get the light to shine on the parents. Well, the parents didn't do this and the parents didn't do that. Yeah, the parent called 911 and was alerting people that their gun had been stolen potentially and that they, their own son might have it. And then the mom texted and said, don't do it and blah, blah, blah. Well, the parents were clearly trying to stop this from happening, but we had all the evidence right there and we had everything at our disposal in that one office, in that one room, but we decided to not do anything, you know, because we wanted the kid to go back to class or because the parents didn't want to take the kid home. The school is to blame here. Every school official is to blame here. The gun recovered from the shooter at the school after the shooting was the same gun that was purchased by his father, James Crumbly, on November 26, 2021, in the presence of his son. Based upon the foregoing, the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office requested and received um, authorized be charged four counts of involuntary manslaughter as to James Crumbly and four counts of involuntary manslaughter as to Jennifer Crumbly. I want to be really clear that these charges are intended to hold the individuals who contributed to this tragedy accountable and also send a message that gun owners have a responsibility. When they fail to uphold that responsibility, there are serious and criminal consequences. And there it is. There it is. She just said it. Cat's out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. Gun owners have a responsibility. Every gun owner, if uh, someone takes their gun and it is used in a crime, it is the gun owner's fault. 
every gun owner. She just said it. She's blaming people who didn't pull the trigger. She's blaming them because they owned something that was used in a crime. Just so happens that individual was related and living in the same home. Again, it's the car example. It's the keys example I mentioned earlier. Same thing. She's painting a picture to blame Americans. This is going to set a nasty precedent. I cannot believe that the charges against the parents would actually stick. But, you get a judge who's corrupt, it's game over for the parents. That these parents would actually end up in jail is mind-boggling to me. The people who should be in jail, again, are the counselor, any resource officer who was or was not there. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Any resource officer who was there and didn't frisk and search the kid and all of their belongings. And again, I said this on Gab too, and then I'm going to keep playing her comments. This opens the door, ladies and gentlemen, for more ridiculous professional development. I'm using finger quotes. Um, to enter K-12 school buildings, all throughout the state of Michigan and countless other places. The bloodsuckers are going to show up with giant company names, giant packets of information, step-by-step playbooks of what they're supposed to do in XYZ. See, most of these schools already have what's called ALICE training in, in full force. The problem with ALICE training is it's only designed for a procedural redundant here, procedural process for, for what happens when someone is breaking the law outside of the building or inside of the building and the building has to be locked down. So it's as something bad is happening or after something bad has already happened. Do you see the missing piece in that? Where's the preventative piece? There is no preventative piece because as I said earlier, K-12 schools are reactionary. They love the word proactive. We're proactive, proactive, proactive. They'll say, it, they'll say it until they're blue in the face. But they are not. And the word is preventative, I might add. They should start using the word preventative, except don't just say it, do it. Expel students the first time, every time. They don't do that. As I said earlier, this is not, this is not their M.O., even on that Ethan Crumbly's face, they still saw a dollar sign. Well, if we lose him and we expel him, we'll be out, oh, I don't know, anywhere from two to $9,000. Well, we can't have that. They see dollar signs on students' faces. They're not interested in safety. That's not their prerogative. They could care less. They, they, they always chalk it up to, this will never happen here. This will never happen here. It's like the jab business. I'll never get sick. I'll take one, two, three, four, five, six jabs. I won't get sick. That's for other people. Other people will get sick, not me. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. As we work together to honor the lives lost and all of those impacted by the evil acts this week, justice for the victims and their families is at the forefront of today's announcement. We need to do better in this country. We need to say enough is enough. For our kids, our teachers, parents, for all of us in this community, in the communities across this nation. 
And she said it again. Enough is enough for the communities across this nation. Enough is enough. Where have you heard that? Barack Obama said that all of the time with every crisis or every whatever crisis, with every gun-related incident uh, where, where someone had a gun, whether it was a fake manufactured event or it was something that was actually real. Enough is enough. This must end. We must stop gun violence because guns grow legs and arms and they run around and pull their own triggers and blah, 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 blah. It's ridiculous. And any time at the local level you invoke the nation, I'm sorry, but you're giving up the goose. You're giving it away. You're just giving it away. You're giving away to everybody that you have a national agenda. All they had to do, ladies and gentlemen, was focus on their own local issue. But she's, she's loving making this a national thing as much as humanly possible. And again, the puppeteers are the ones pulling her strings, having her make this a national issue. And you'd better believe that Gretchen Whitmer has got her claws all through this woman's spine. One moment. Go ahead, Mr. Schkapp. I viewed portions of it and was um, briefed on the, the contents of the video. Any individual who had the opportunity to stop this tragedy should have done so. The question is, what did they know and when did they know it? I've laid out the facts that were sworn to this this afternoon and are the basis for the charges here. Did you have a question? Yes. Uh, you said, you know, we need to do better than these cases, right? It's extremely rare for parents to charge Are you trying to set a new standard or the evidence is overwhelming? I have tremendous compassion and empathy for parents who have children who are struggling and at risk for whatever reason. And I am by no means saying that an active shooter situation should always result in a criminal prosecution against parents. But the facts of this case are so egregious. Reading this document, looking at it, reading the words, help me, with a gun, blood everywhere. This doesn't just have impact me as a prosecutor and a lawyer. It impacts me as a mother. The notion that a parent could read those words and also know that their son had access to a deadly weapon that they gave him is unconscionable. And, it, and I think it's criminal. I, I, it is criminal. There's so much in what she just said right there, because the first time I heard her say all of that, I was out of my chair. I was out of my chair. Anytime someone says, as a mother, quote unquote, as a mother, or as a father, or as a community member, they're personalizing it. They shouldn't be doing that. This is not a personal thing. You're supposed to follow the law instead of let your emotions dictate what what crimes were committed or what should be prosecuted or not prosecuted as a mother i think that we all have a responsibility to do this and do that and i'm doing this because i'm a mother that's absurd being a parent is not a line on a resume 
it doesn't say it in the Constitution that being a parent means you have more rights to uh, dictate upon others and then prosecute said individuals because you hold that position or title of mother or father or whatever. It's it's exactly what a person would say when they don't have the facts to bear, when they don't have the facts uh, at their disposal. And in this particular case, she does not. Now, you did hear her be asked the question, and she was asked the question in that poorly, uh, you know, poor audio clip, but she was asked the question by the guy, are you, uh, or whoever it was that was asking the question, are you going after individuals who worked in the school building and what they could have done or not done? She didn't say yes, she didn't say no. What she said was is that she was interested in going after anybody who may have known. Well, you already know that. You already laid it out earlier. There was the teacher who reported it. There was a counselor who didn't search the kid's bag. We don't know anything about a resource officer, although that question gets asked, I believe, later. Uh, there are lots of school officials that, that knew what was going on, and she's blaming, again, the parents for not knowing that this kid was drawing this stuff in class that day. That's why they allegedly called the parents after the drawing had already taken place. It doesn't matter. Like I said, in loco parentis, the, the, the object here is for the school to kick the kid out. It doesn't matter what the parents say. Our kid is fine. Everything is fine. Don't worry. Everything is fine. If that's what the parents said, doesn't matter. It's time for the school then to step up and take on their legal responsibility of protecting every single person in that school building. And if you want to make an omelet, you break some eggs. Kick the kid out. It's not difficult. Like I said earlier in earlier episodes, being a school administrator could be the easiest profession that exists on the face of the planet. But because the environment is filled with shit and flies, they can't help but make the job hard. Because walking in shit is difficult. It's slippery. It smells bad. You know, you know it. We all know it. That's the environment. They're making it tough on themselves for not having a brain. This is a, a no-brainer. This entire situation was an absolute no-brainer. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually, I don't want to use the word expert here, but I'm talking from, from a, a position of, I would say, well, certainly more expertise than countless others who ha haphazardly comment on such issues. The basis of all of the books that I have written are on subjects like this. I've even read some books about school shootings, and they are horribly written. They do not get down to the crux of the matter. Why? Because those individuals have never been school teachers. Those individuals are not being honest with themselves nor the readers of their books because they don't know what really goes on in these, in these buildings. They don't know the inner workings of the entire system. My own research, again, was based around this very, th these kinds of subjects and how these environments are not preventative. They are always reactive. Always. Always passing the buck. Always kicking the can down the road. Well, are you handling this? Okay, because I'm not going to handle it anymore. So you're handling it, right? Okay, great. And then that person who says that they're going to handle it or is told to handle it tries to get somebody else to handle it. And then they pass the buck on to somebody else. Okay, well, I was told to handle it, but I'm going to hand it off to you now. So you're going to handle it now, right? Okay, great. And then they absolve themselves of any responsibility in their own heads. 
Well, as Eric Hoffer loved to write and loved to say, we lie loudest when we lie to ourselves. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm basically going to stop with the audio here because you, you can't hear the questions appropriately. I mean, unfortunately, the audio is just so bad that you just can't hear them. Her answers, though, continue to be telling throughout. She was asked about the terrorism charge and why would you charge him with terrorism? She hesitated. There's a lot of hesitation in, in what she was saying and her, just her verbal tics and facial tics and whatever. And she was basically saying that because all of the other children in the school building were running away and screaming and whatever, that they are the victims also, and that their families are the victims also because they can't eat and they can't sleep and they can't imagine re-entering that school environment and blah, blah, blah. That's why she's apparently charging him with terrorism. She's just throwing, again, as many spaghetti noodles as she can up against the wall because that's what a lot of prosecutors do. Not all of them. Some of them say, this person killed this person, we're charging them with murder. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just looking at this as objectively as I possibly can. But she's throwing as many noodles up against the wall to see what sticks. Again, like charging the parents with uh, involuntary manslaughter. It's absurd. The people who should be arraigned should be the school officials. They should be the ones who are in shackles, at least for a little while, just to give them a taste of what it is that they didn't do. They're moving full court press against the parents. And I, I got to tell you, I listened to some of the arraignment. Again, they're in jail. The parents sound relatively articulate. They know that this entire thing is horrible. They didn't want any of this to happen. Not their fault. This isn't their fault. And I know that, again, I'm not looking at all of the evidence in front of me and, you know, to make that determination. But I'm looking at it from the end of someone who used to work in a school building, in a couple of school buildings, and knows full well what does not take place within those school buildings. And I'm telling you right here, and again, I'm just saying it again. In loco parentis, the job of the school is to be leg legally responsible for everyone in that building when the parents are not there. They should have sent the child home with the, with, with the, with the parents. They should have told the parents, you're going to get him in counseling. He's never allowed back here. And they could have made that determination a whole lot easier had they had actually gone through their own procedures of, of frisking the kid, searching him with an officer present, including having the officer search the book bag. Counselors don't search book bags. That's not their job. They're not supposed to be doing that. That's the job for the person who has the badge and the gun. It's their job to search the bag. The bag wasn't searched anywhere, anytime on the premises of the school. That's the school's fault, not the parents. But you heard her say it. She blamed the parents for not searching the kid while the parents were there with the kid in the school. It's absolutely outrageous. I cannot believe that... Um, I, can, I can believe that a prosecutor would do this. Um, what, what I can't believe is that in the middle of all of this, that somehow somebody who works in that school building is going to get away with not doing their job. Not to mention again, and I don't know about I, I don't know this regarding the Michigan Department of Education, 
But if any parent can fill out a citizen complaint form against someone who works in a school building at the state level to have sanctions placed on their certificate or have their certificate completely revoked, I would highly recommend it. And again, as Jesse James and I were texting back and forth about this, he was mentioning a lot of the things that were happening locally that, again, aren't being mentioned and weren't being mentioned at the national level. Um, one of those particular things had to do, again, with the fact that the Crumbly kid had brought a weapon to school before, that this had happened before. The other thing which was interesting that he mentioned was is that this was so well known on that particular day that there could be a shooting in the school that, that countless students were gone, that the building was practically empty that day. Notice how no one's saying that. Because as soon as that comes out, and again, it's not going to come out publicly in the media. They don't want that out. Not at the national level anyway. That destroys the, the, the prosecutor's basis and foundational reasoning for the terrorist charge or for people in the building you know, doing their best or uh, you know, not, not being 100% responsible for what occurred. Um, as soon as it's found out that the vast majority, potentially, of the students, I don't know the exact percentage, of students who weren't in that school that day because there was so much talk online by this crumbly kid about shooting up the place. Again, that, that makes the prosecutor's um, case just completely explode, again, you know, regarding charging the parents. It, it points all of the fingers directly back at the school officials. And I'm going to end it by saying this, and this is one of the interesting parts about this entire thing, I think. One of the things that American K-12 schools consistently wrestle with is whether or not to discipline students because of their online posts that they make online away from the school building. Now, they can't make the determination if an online post is made away from the school building or during school time. Students are on their cell phones all day, every day within American K-12 schools, constantly. They'll go to the bathroom just to get on their cell phone. They'll ask for a bathroom break just to, just to read what's on their phone and text their friends and do whatever, just to get out of class and get on their cell phone. So th w one of the things that they do, again, to absolve themselves of any responsibility, so they think, is they make the determination at the school board level to not investigate students' online comments. But if a comment is brought to them, brought to the administration or brought to a resource officer or brought to a teacher or a counselor from the internet, from someone else, then yes, they almost always have a responsibility to investigate and then do what they need to do regarding said student or said incident, whatever it may be. And I know the policy and procedure for that as well because it's not that difficult. If a, if a student or a teacher or a parent or someone prints off what a student has said online and it poses a threat in their head to someone in the school building, the child themselves, whatever it may be, you can waste your time with Child Protective Services all you want. Child Protective Services just calls the police. 
So what a parent will do is, and what has to happen when the parent does this or any, any person does this, if an online post is brought to a school official or a school employee's attention, they immediately have to get in touch with the resource officer. Immediately. Now, unfortunately, many school teachers will probably take it to a counselor or a secretary or an administrator and they'll say, hey, you need to do something about this. If there's a resource officer on campus, you bypass the administration and you go straight for the person who has the badge and the gun. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. You, you go straight for them and you say, look, you're the person who has to handle this. I just received this. This is an online post. This is a particular student in this school building. I don't know what you have going on right now, but you need to focus on this right here, right now. And then what happens is, is that resource officer will take that post, read it, make a determination. They might tell an administrator, and then an administrator and the resource officer will immediately find that student and go into that classroom, invite the kid out, have the kid go back in, grab the bag, grab their bag, and then leave. The police officer will take the bag, and the administrator and police officer will walk the student down to an office. They will all stay in that office. That bag will be checked by the resource officer in front of the student. The parents will be called, and then a determination will be made from then. Because again, with every step that gets made in that process, more evidence is going to reveal itself. None of that happened in this particular case. None of that happened. They didn't search the kid's bag. That's not the job of the parent. That's not the parent's job. The threat was in the school building. The parents weren't there. The potential threat, I should say, at the time. It was a potential threat. Where was the resource officer? Why didn't the counselor slash resource officer, in particular resource officer, go through the bag? Who were the administrators in that school building? Ladies and gentlemen, if, again, if you live in Michigan and you're listening to this, you need to find out if the Michigan Department of Education has a citizen complaint form because it's the administrators of that building that you need to go after 100%. Yes, the resource officer, whether they were there or not, again, if they were there and they didn't do what they were supposed to do, then yeah, they're to blame. But that didn't, I, I didn't hear anything in the Q&A about a resource officer checking anything. So you go after the counselor's certification, you file a complaint, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Go after them, do it. Um, don't, don't get, and this is going to sound heartless, and I don't mean it that way, but don't get hung up in, in saying to yourself, well, look, enough bad has already happened. We just need to leave people alone and whatever. No. Ladies and gentlemen of America, you're the ones with the oversight. You are the ones who have the oversight over people like this, and you need to exercise that oversight. It's your job to do that. That's your, that's your responsibility as a citizen of the United States of America, is to be a well-informed citizen and then provide that oversight. So do it. Fill out a citizen complaint form. Send it to the Michigan Department of Education. List the names of the individuals who were involved who you think didn't do what they were supposed to do. And let's, you know, and just figure out where the, where the chips fall after that. But again, the thing to keep in mind on this particular case is whether or not any school official gets charged with anything. Or if any sanction comes down on them for their 
malfeasance throughout this entire process because that, again, is against the law. You cannot be in a position like that and engage in malfeasance, and they clearly did. So that's the thing to pay attention to going forward because we already know that the prosecutor in the case is moving forward full steam ahead against the parents without apparently looking into the school officials. Well, it's just a sad environment and it's, it's a murder scene and it's just horrible and we don't want to put any undue pressure on them. I know that that's what's going through some of their heads. But ladies and gentlemen, again, when was the last time you heard of a school teacher or an administrator being criminally charged in an event like this when they, could have, when, they, when they did in this case know that this kid was a threat and they did nothing about it? That's the thing to pay attention to going forward here. So with that said, have a great week, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.